Shiratai. Welcome to the Bench Captains Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dave. Joining me is Noah and Nick. Gentlemen, how are we feeling today? I'm good. I'm good. It's another day uh, here in Chardon. Got about two feet of snow, so I've been digging myself out of that the past couple days now. How are you living, Noah? Man, Canton's nice and clear. Hall of Fame City only got like six inches. We're feeling good. But you know the bench captains are always digging through the trenches. I totally understand. I can't wait to record one in person with you guys. Yeah, you know, COVID's really got us uh, spread out still, but it's going to be an exciting podcast that we have today. We're going to dive into some of the NFL this past week. But first, we're going to jump into our uh, college basketball prospects to watch. But before we get into our college basketball prospects, Nick Chestness is going to tell us why he is a bench captain. Nick, take it away. Oh, Dave. Dave, I got a good one. I was thinking mm. about it, you know. There's so many. And I'm oh. sitting there. And it goes back to my junior year of high school. Okay, you know, junior. Um, I, was playing, I was still playing JV baseball. I think I was one of two, maybe three. So we're batting. I'm sitting on the field. Or like I sitting on the bench next to my coach. Some other kids keeping score. And this kid who's batting grounds out to first base. First baseman steps on the bag. The scoreboard is like, what do I write that as? And the coach goes, three U. And the kid's like, what does that mean? And I answer, I go, three unassisted, meaning the number, the first baseman's number three, so he steps on the bag himself. And the coach literally looks at me and goes, honestly, you're probably the only one on this team that could have answered that. And that's when I realized that I was a bench captain, that I was smart enough to understand the game more than everyone else but did not have the abilities to succeed as my peers did. And so mm. since then, I've been a proud bench captain. It's a true honor to seriously be labeled a bench captain, in my opinion. Not everybody can be blessed with such an IQ and such little skill. And that's what we are here. That's what we do at this podcast. So thank you guys for tuning in to a great episode. We're going to kick off the first quarter. We're going to talk some college basketball. As you know, it just recently started back up. Okay, so first, I'm, I'm going to swing things to Noah. Noah, do you have any top prospects or teams that you're really interested to watch this year? I do, Dave. So uh, I'll just state the obvious first and foremost. I'm just going to get into uh, two or three guys that I really like. The first one um, is the most obvious guy out there. His name is Cade Cunningham, the number two recruit going to Oklahoma State. He's just an absolute animal, 6'8", 220 point guard. So similar to LeBron, Magic Johnson vibes with the passing IQ and being able to create your own shot. He really does not really have any weaknesses in his game, a great defender. And one of the things that I put as his need as of now to get ready for the league is enter your name in the NBA draft. Because that's literally the only thing he needs to do. I believe he's NBA ready at this moment. Next, I have my boy who is I was a fan favorite of. His name is Josh Christopher. He is a two-guard, a wing player at Arizona State, who, shameless plug, they are my dark horse pick 
for the national champion uh, for college basketball. I love Arizona State this year. He's very athletic, has a crazy good ability to create his own shot and make the difficult shots. His only need for this year uh, will be shot selection, which we as Cavs fans saw a lot with Kevin Porter Jr. While he was in college, he was chucking, doing anything he could to make his own shot since he was the guy. But honestly, he is an absolute animal, and I can see him turning into a big-time player in the NBA. Last two dudes I'll just give a quick shout-out to. Teammates from Sierra Canyon playing with Bronny uh, is Zaire Williams and Brandon Boston Jr., uh, both 6'8", 6'7", knockdown shooters, getting used to the college game, getting a feel for it, but expect them to be big-time boom players this year. And where are they at? Currently, Zaire is at uh, Stanford, and Brandon Boston's at Kentucky. Nick, how about you? How about you? Who are your top prospects to watch this year? My players to watch um, first um, is Jalen Suggs, um, the guard from Gonzaga. I watched the Gonzaga game earlier when they played Kansas. Very unimpressed with Kansas. Um, they just kind of um, – Gonzaga ended up winning by, I think, a 12 12- – but they just did not look impressive at all. They just kind of hung around. They kind of took the punch and just kind of hung on, but it never felt like they had a chance. Um, and I remember I texted Noah right before, right before I turned the game on for the second half. I said, who do I need to watch? He said, Jalen Suggs. So, okay. And, and I knew who he was kind of going in a little, little bit, but he has six and three at half. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's kind of struggling or something like that. I'm, I'm not even kidding you. I watched the second half. Do finish with 24 and eight. This kid can go get his bucket, bucket he wants on the court. He's got great court vision. He played quarterback in high school as well. So he's a two-sport athlete of just dissecting defenses, breaking them apart. I saw him dropping some dimes. And he can also play a little bit of defense on that end as well. Um, so I think Isaiah, um, obviously being number one, I do think they are a very deep team led by, by Jalen Suggs. And I think what we're going to see is as he grows, understanding just the college game, that speed, and just and learning that, and, and that'll grow as we go. Um, now, two other guys. Um, one – is probably not going to translate. Um, it's Luke Garza from Iowa. He had 41 and 10 in his first game, and he's just going to continue to do that all year. I mean, he even went three for three from three, so he can step it out a little bit. He can hit his free throws. Um, but basically just a bigger dude, bigger body, power forward, and, and he can just – he literally has his way in a game, rebounding defensively, whatever he wants he can get. Um, so for Iowa, I'd watch for Luca Garza. Now, like I said, kind of like a Tyler Hansborough type, I think where it may not translate to the NBA as much. When you look at Mark Jackson, you may not see his name, um, but I would definitely watch him dominate just college basketball this year. I think Iowa's got a good shot at going deep just based off of him if they can get play around him. I, I think that he's someone that can lead a team deep. And then my last guy is – now, I could say the name totally wrong, but it's Ayo Dusunmu. And – He's an Illinois point guard. He's 6'5". Okay, when you're watching the Illinois game, he's number 11. Through three games, he's averaging 26, 8, and 7. So right now, they have him kind of second-round second mock draft. I think this is going to be a dude who's, who's a high riser. I think he's going to end up getting himself into a lottery pick potentially, if not mid to late first round. I think you're going to see that he can get his own shot. Threes, layups, get to the rim. He can make – he makes the right play. He can play defense. He's super quick. Um, I think he's just going to be an absolute stud this year for the fighting Illini. So Io Desumu, I think, is going to be, especially if he can capitalize on a huge March Madness with all eyes watching, I think he's going to soar up draft boards real quick this year. 
Um, and lastly, not a player per se. Um, Noah and I were kind of talking about a little bit just for college basketball this year is watch the G League. You now have players going over there like Jalen Green, um, Jonathan Kaminga, Isaiah Todd, Deshaun Nix, like these kind of guys who are now skipping out on college to go to the G League. Like what is this going to turn college basketball into and how is this going to help the NBA? I think it's going to be – I'm actually very excited for it. Um, I think if you see kind of more guys take this way, I think you're going to see college basketball become more competitive from top to bottom as you start to have more people who actually stay a couple years and coaches that can actually build programs like Calipari and Coach K who like are used to these one and dones are going to be able to build and work with some juniors and seniors in March Madness. And I think you're going to see that from a lot of teams. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for this for college basketball and the NBA. I think you're going to get some more NBA ready prospects now too until they get rid of the one and done rule. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to throw in one quick prospect, too. Uh, I'm going to shout out one of my former players. His name is Michael Bothwell at Furman uh, Division One. They're the number two ranked mid-major. I know they only played two games, but so far he's put up a very impressive stat line. Uh, he's averaging 22 points a game, five rebounds, five and a half assists, two and a half steals while shooting 68% from the field and shooting from the free throw line. Uh, He's a junior and he is going to be a problem. So that's just a a team to watch out for is one of those, you know, dark horse late round uh, or a high seed teams that sneak into March madness and make noise, you know, because I, I have a lot of faith in Mike. I've been around him. He's got high character. He's a leader. So I really believe that Furman has a great player on their hands and, somebody that can make some noise and, and, and potentially uh, win a conference. So just a name to look out for. And before we make a quick transition, I, I want to touch up on some breaking news with you guys that just got released within the last 10 minutes about a trade that went down in the NBA being mm-hmm. the, the Washington Wizards sending a first round pick and John Wall to the Houston Rockets for Russell Westbrook. You guys have any live thoughts that you have you want to get off your chest about that? I think that that trade is phenomenal for both parties. I, I never thought Harden and Westbrook were going to work personally, both very ball dominant players. I think Washington won the trade uh, just because I believe they will trade Bradley Beal eventually. And Russell Westbrook is going to absolutely kill the Eastern conference. Um, but John Wall is a fantastic player. Unfortunately, hasn't played in two years. Uh, so I'm excited to see how he looks. Yeah, I'm with Noah. I think getting Westbrook to the east um, where he can go, like you said, if Beal gets moved, just kind of throw some other dudes out there. I am interested, though. I think Harden needs an off-ball player, so I'm interested to see how John Wall plays off-ball because, as Noah said, I I was not in on Westbrook and Harden. Westbrook cannot play off-ball. And so if Harden's still dominating the ball, I don't think John Wall is going to be much more effective. However, they're taking a chance at moving on from Westbrook, and that's probably the greatest return that they could get. Um, so I'm still in on the move for the Rockets, um, but I, I do think that Washington won the trade. I also would say that I think that Houston, while they don't get another off-ball player, I do think they upgrade defensively. John Wall, when healthy, mm-hmm. when healthy, is a very good defender and very he's very active hands. He's a very good on-ball defender. So I think for you know going up against some of these other guards in the Western conference, like Luka Donich, you know, I really like the, the 
the flexibility it adds. It doesn't really add much for shooting, but slashing, you're still getting that same thing. And for Washington, I mean, you got to take a shot because you've been in purgatory for the last however many years. So you got to make some noise somehow. So I kind of like it. Like you guys said, if they move Beal and get a couple pieces to go around him, maybe they trade him to a team like Denver, you know, that would be great. Uh, that's something that I would like to, I'd like to see happen, you know, get Beal out of there, get him into a winning situation, get some nice young pieces in return. And I don't, I think what you'll see too is I think you will see John Wall kind of step back at the end of games. Westbrook needs to play the hero ball, especially at the end of the game. I think John Wall will understand, all right, I need to just get the ball to James Harden right now. Mm-hmm. Like, let this man go win us the game. And so I, I think that's kind of where the Houston Rockets upgrade a little bit over Westbrook. That's true. And I know James Harden and John Wall have been working out together this entire offseason. So a lot of iron sharpens iron there. Um, mm-hmm. That right there, uh, we will end the first quarter and move on to the second, where we're going to move into an NFL conversation so Dave and Nick, uh, whichever one of you would like to start first, what are some teams that have impressed you after this past week? I'll go, I'll go first. Uh, one team that specifically I, I was very impressed with is the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, we've been complaining, you know, people in Denver have complained about their quarterback situation with what happened in the NFL. You have the Ravens who haven't consistently been able to, I mean, with their COVID situation. I look at the 49ers though, as one of those teams that has just been injury plagued. They've had issues galore, you know, whether it's COVID or other issues, they, their ability to go out and win that game on Sunday says a lot about them. And it just shows how well coached that Kyle Shanahan has got this team and they're ready to win now. So uh, when they're healthy, they're ready to win now, but uh, they're still, they find themselves still in the wild card hunt and five and six, you know, it was very impressive game. So I just wanted to say, I, I'm very impressed with the, the 49ers resiliency. Yeah. Team kind of, kind of like you're saying now five and six, right in that hunt, the Minnesota Vikings impressed me, mm. went down six under two minutes and they came out and they got the job done. They went, got their touchdown, took the lead, got the dub. And especially with the Cardinals losing, man, I think the Cardinals could have really iced it. We talked about this a little bit. Um, but so I, I think the Vikings impressed me. And I think if Dalvin Cook can keep running, he avoided a major injury, which was clutch for them. Um, and, and so I think the Minnesota Vikings definitely impressed. Uh, the other team that impressed me too, and, and you guys make fun of me for this, but I mean, the Titans made a statement they've been making statements throughout the season and I know they've won a couple games, but recently, I mean, going to Indianapolis and laying down the beating that they did, the final score is 45, 26. It wasn't that close. Okay, guys, the, the Colts scored a couple late game touchdowns. They went to Baltimore and won and they picked a fight with them pregame and then they beat up on them throughout the game. And, and then here we are, this is an opportunity for the Titans to really get back the division. And they got back in a big way. We talked about my uh, poor fantasy luck last week because uh, of Taysom Hill, a quarterback. I, uh, I lost by five and I would like to point out that AJ Brown returned an onside kick for six points. So uh, there's my fantasy luck, but obviously the other team that impressed Kansas city chiefs, they eyes right now we're literally, we're in Mahomes' world. And he said, you know what, I'll, I'll give you guys a chance, like an opportunity to come on the same field as me. But it's just it's the Chiefs world right now, I think. 
and I see them winning a lot in the next next decade. Absolutely. And I'll give a quick shout out to a third team. Uh, Nick, I know you have a third team too. I'm going to give a quick shout out to Washington, uh, the football mm-hmm. team. You know, for they've been through a lot too with their head coach, uh, with his health concerns and different quarterback play. But you know what? I'll t- I'll tell you what. For as bad as the the NFC lease is, Washington's defensive line has been impressive, and the re- the comeback story that Alex Smith is. Quick shout out to them. They've done a really good job getting back in the playoff picture. Yeah, no, and that's actually that's a great shout out because we kind of talked about them, and so so my shout out actually is going to Hinton. It's not a team, but this guy having to step in from practice squad wide receiver to play quarterback. Um, he was just he was just someone else that I was just overly impressed with. Now, obviously, uh, more interceptions than completions. Not a good day at the office, but just the fact, like, literally no practice. The team there wouldn't even have recognized him, I'm sure. Like, if he probably showed up at the hotel and they're like, who are you? He's like, oh, I'm your quarterback. Like, that's some bench captain energy if I've ever seen it. Um, so that's a bench captain shout-out right there. Hmm. 100% bench captain right there. Throwing more picks than completions is a big uh, bench captain. <laughs> uh, let's move into uh, more so of the disappointing times. Uh, with mm-hmm. some NFL teams, what are some teams that uh, maybe let you down and you see trending downward through the rest of the season this year? We'll start with you, Dave. Okay. Uh, the first team, I think this one is blatantly obvious to me, at least. It's for as much as we, in the previous pod, we were talking up the Vegas Raiders and how they're starting to prove that they are, you know, amongst the AFC's, uh, you know, rising teams. How do you go to Atlanta? and get molly whopped like they did 43 to 6 are you kidding me like that is ridiculous that is ridiculous especially in the heat of a wild card race you're going to lay an egg like that and that's a game that you have to win because now you're you're six and five you're you're right there with the ravens and in the dolphins the colts you know the dolphins the colts and the browns all have leads on you now and you're just kind of on the fringe now, you have an uphill battle to climb, and you have some tough games coming up. So, uh, yeah, big disappointment from the Raiders. Laid a big egg. Yeah, my disappointment actually matches yours of the Cardinals. They had an opportunity to, to distance themselves again. Instead, they opened that door wide open for the 49ers and the Vikings, especially since they still have two games against the Rams, like I said. Um, they just – I wanted them to capitalize, um, take advantage, um, but they just – they didn't. I was, I was pretty disappointed um, in the Cardinals. Another team that is extremely disappointing is the Indianapolis Colts. After last week where you, you're beat Green Bay in overtime, you're going to really need to want to win that big divisional game against Tennessee. And if you win, you go up two games on them, you, you're probably winning the division and hosting a playoff game. So – them losing the way they did, it just it it was a really bad look for the Indianapolis Colts. Oh yeah, the and, but I mean, hey, as a Browns fan, I'm here for it. Absolutely. So, so I'm actually gonna take so so we're filming this Wednesday night. We just finished Steelers Ravens, and so that's why I'm gonna head for a team that disappointed. And, and I've been, I've unfortunately I've been behind them. I have, but the Steelers, man, 
like you have the most depleted Ravens team possible. And, and you look at what happened is they came out of there with a five point dub with one offensive touchdown. So to me, Dave, we were kind of talking about this last week where I was standing up for the offense, but you saw it this week. They really can't run the ball that well. And I said their short passes make up for it. But I was at one point, it was like Ebron was seven for 54 yards. Juju was seven for 32. And I think Deontay was seven for 45. Like that's super short. Mm-hmm. And so I know a lot of Steelers fans are backing Big Ben, but I do think he's holding them back. Now, however, when I say that, he is still steps ahead of their other potential quarterbacks right now with Rudolph. So I do think though, that Big Ben is holding them back a little bit, especially with just some of the balls he was throwing. It just was not as good. Absolutely, yeah. And speaking of quarterbacks that just really have not been impressive throwing the football, quick shout-out to a team that has been a walking disappointment all year, the Eagles. Carson Wentz, bro, I, I don't know what happened to him. He went from MVP to bona fide scrub. I mean, he looks like a dumpster fire. I don't know – you know, what the coaching staff's doing. Frank Reich left, and I guess they forgot what football was, and I don't know what's going on with the Eagles. We are going to now transition into quarter three, uh, which we're going to focus on the quarterback, the center of attention that we typically don't get as bench captains. Uh, So I'm going to throw out a few quarterbacks, uh, and I would love to know if you guys are buying or selling this guy. We'll start with you. Uh, how are you feeling about my boy, Matthew Stafford? Matthew Stafford. Okay. I went back and forth on this one, but I actually, I'm, I'm going to buy Matthew Stafford. I think Matt Patricia was not a good fit as the entire world got to see. So I want to see him get another shot somewhere. He's dealt with injuries, um, not only to himself, but just some of his key pieces I think he's still got the arm talent. So I I want to see him somewhere else next year or bring in a coach that's going to fit him better, get him to play to his strengths um, and just continue to build the line and some weapons around him. I think they got some great young backs, um, some great wide receivers. I love TJ Hawkinson at tight end as well. Um, So, so even if he stays there, I'd love to see a coach that fits more him and offense this time. Um, So I'm still, I'm still going to buy Matthew Stafford. Okay. Dave, I'll give you another one of my boys, Cam Newton. You know, I'm going to sell Newton, and I think maybe – I think it's, it has everything to do with his health. He can't stay healthy, and when he is healthy, he looked good against Seattle, in which they lost at home. You know, it's just, it, it's just a tough thing with Cam Newton. Can he ever stay healthy? Can he give you everything that he can be? And we honestly haven't seen anything – from him that truly resembles greatness since several years ago. So I, I'm going to sell. Maybe he needs a new fit, new team, Chicago. I mean, who knows? Chicago, maybe Cleveland. Uh, that's a shameless plug. Now, Nick. Okay. Before we talk about – I'm selling Cleveland, Noah Fisher. Yeah, let's sell about, him now. Before we talk about the big – You went to water, boy. I would love for you to give me your input on Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. All right. I am going to sell Sam Darnold. I think now, so it's going to be interesting. What a lot of people are going to say is look at this Adam Gase effect. Look at Tannehill without him. Like once they get all these guys out, but here's the problem. 
you have this dude saying he's seen ghosts already. Like, I think he might be broken beyond repair. Now, if he does somehow still, like, get another shot and succeed, let's go, dude. Like, rooting for you, I wouldn't be that surprised. But if I'm betting money on it, I'm going with Sam Darnold. I'm selling Sam Darnold. I, I think there was too much damage just mentally of having to now overcome this whole seeing ghosts thing and just being comfortable. All right. Now, here's the – million dollar question as us Cleveland Browns fans look if you could tell earlier I am in the opposition of this now Dave how do you feel about number six Baker Mayfield very controversial topic whether it's local media or national media it's either hate or break or you know hate or love him and I am in a boat of it's too early to say still I know it's year three I, I still see flashes of him being a potentially really good quarterback. The problem is, how are you going to expect a player to be consistently good when you haven't been consistently good around him? And that goes from, from front office, coaching staff, four different head coaches, three different offensive coordinators. You've had revolving doors at both tackle positions for the first two years of his career. And now you're finally putting stability around him. And he's, he's playing pretty well. Uh, 17 touchdowns, seven picks. Like, it's not bad. He hasn't thrown a pick in four weeks, and and he hasn't cost them games. He's only won them a couple, so you like to see him take steps in that way. I look at Derek Carr. I Look, the Raiders finally put consistency around him, and you're starting to see he's taking steps forward. Browns fans need to be patient with Baker the way that Raiders fans were patient with Derek Carr. I don't think Raiders fans were patient with Derek Carr. I think all of them are rooting for him to get out and knew that John Gruden was going to be able to put him in a good situation. But if John Gruden was not the head coach, Derek Carr would not be the quarterback. And I think for Baker – Well, they went to beat the Chiefs. Whatever. They lost a second time. Uh, And put up six against the Falcons. Facts. But I do love Kevin Stefanski. Big fan of him. But my patience with Baker Mayfield is running thin. I'm very excited to see how he finishes out the season but I'm tired of him being the worst red zone quarterback in the NFL. I'm just over it. He's missed ample amounts of passing touchdowns this season, and I just can't handle it anymore. Now, I will say he's not throwing the red zone picks. That's clutch. He's miss- Now, he is missing touchdowns, but he's not throwing picks. So that's why I'm torn. Like, he's getting us three, but he's leaving four on the field, but he's not turning it over. So that's why I'm torn at him in the red zone, like, I mean, I, you saw the clip I sent you of, of Big Ben's red zone turnover today. Like, that was uh, terrible. Yeah, but he's also, like, 40 years old and only has one leg, so I get it. The, the thing with Baker Mayfield that people need to just kind of see real quick is, you know, final point. Look, Baker, he may, for every questionable throw he makes, people are always looking away from the great throws that he makes. He makes some dime throws, and he had a couple phenomenal throws against Jacksonville. Say it's Jacksonville all you want. He's done it against a lot of other teams. And in previous years, when they beat the Ravens and they beat the Steelers and they've competed in some of these bigger games, he's thrown the ball really well. It's just a matter of making sure that his confidence in the system is there. Yeah, and you see that growing each and every week now, five straight weeks without a pick. He looks more comfortable. He looks more confident um, in the offense. And, and like I said, those weather games, like that's tough, tough to judge. Mm-hmm. I hate trying to judge a player off of that, which which sucks for him, but, but so I'm cool with it. We are headed to garbage time. 
today. So last week, if you were with us, you know that we drafted our top point guards of all time. So this week, we're going to be doing our top shooting guards of all time. So to figure out the draft order, we are headed to Commissioner Noah Fisher. To determine the draft order, we will be asking our near and dear friend, Siri, to determine. Let's choose number one, two, and three, and she will decide who has the first pick. I will go with number two. I'll go with number one. I'll go with number three. All right, here we go. Siri, pick a number one through three. The answer is three. Ooh. All right, all right, all right. Dave, me, Nick. Hey, I won it last time with the third pick. Let's get it. Look, I'm not going to make this difficult. MJ, this is going to be the first draft that you go number one overall. So Michael Jordan is the first overall pick in the shooting guard draft. Okay. No argument there for sure. Uh, but no argument from number two. With the second pick, I will be taking Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace. Third pick, I'm taking Dwayne Wade. Who to go with for number number four here? Oh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Drexler. That's surprising. To All me. right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Um, I will be going with Allen Iverson. I was gonna take him, but I took him in the point Ooh. guard. So I'm like, I can't. T- I was like, I can't take him with two positions. You're going to give me Kobe and AI? Man, we getting buckets. Okay. Well, that's cute, guys. So what I'm going to do is, with my back-to-back picks, I'm going to take the two best shooters of all time, Reggie Miller, Clay Thompson. Wow. That's uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit disrespectful uh, to my next pick, Ray Allen. I'm so hurt. It is. I thought I had the next pick, and I was literally about to take him. I'm so hurt. Give me Ray, man. Give me <laughs> Ray. Oh, man. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to take Tracy McGrady. Ooh. And, and, wow, I really thought I was going to get Reggie or Ray here. I'm going to go. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to take Iceman, George Gervin. Mm, okay, good pick. I mean, I don't want to be a repeat offender, but I will. As a positionary clause, I will take James Harden as a shooting guard. Dang it. Gosh. So, so smooth. Ever so, so smooth, Noah Fisher. I will be taking Manu Ginobili with my next pick. And to follow it up, I want possibly the biggest freak of all time, Vince Sandy. Give me Vince Carter. He wasn't on my draft board, honestly. But He was on mine. I have no complaints there. Last time, I rounded it off with a defender. I'm going to do it again for 2K purposes. I'll be taking Joe Dumars. Oh, yeah. He was my next on the board if Vince Carter wasn't there. Good pick. I'll own it. Noah and I went to 2K and took our team's and Noah beat me with the point guards. It was a little tough. I had no, I had no matchup uh, with Darren Williams, Allen Iverson, and Steph Curry. I was not guarding Magic Johnson. Um, there was just there was no answer for it. <laughs> it was it was kind of tough. And James Harden. It was kind of tough guarding those two with them. 
So hopefully shooting guards go better for me. I'm closing it out this time. I am taking the logo for this one. We left them off the point guards, but I am going to take Jerry West mm-hmm. for shooting guards. All right, boys. Pretty good, recap, pretty good teams. To recap, I have Dwayne Wade, Clyde Drexler, Tracy McGrady, George Gervin, Jerry West. Dave, you have Michael Jordan, Reggie Miller, Clay Thompson, Manny Ginobili, Vince Carter. Noah, you have Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson, Ray Allen, James Harden, and Joe Dumars. Mm. You know some squads, man. And now we let the people decide. Yeah, we will put this on our Twitter, um, and we will let you guys vote. Uh, please give it a follow. Uh, it is at Bench Captain Pod, uh, as I say one more time, at Bench Captain Pod. Um, since Twitter's stupid, wouldn't let us put the S on there. Uh, but we'll be tweeting that poll out. You'll see everything going on. Anything else you guys want to say to close it out, boys? Shoot. I mean, I think, yeah. Hey, Cleveland Browns, big road game this weekend in mm-hmm. Tennessee. Go Browns, dog check. Whoop. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he's a hater. It's okay. I'm not a hater. I love the Browns, but just some, some of the stuff's corny. Uh, hey, he, he just can't get with our quarterback. That's all. We got you, six. I will say to everyone, uh, we really enjoyed doing the pod, and we appreciate everyone who is listening. Uh, can't wait to be back next week and talk some more into those eardrops. Bench captains out. Peace.